who he is is a child of God. He is in Christ. And that's what his anchor is in. It's brilliant. As I said at the beginning, uh, if during this week at Creation Fest God has spoken to you and you want to come and share about that, then now is your opportunity. And if he hasn't, then the sermon will be a bit longer. <laughs> so I'm very chilled about this. But if God has spoken, I really felt I should give opportunity for, for people to share. Come on, Tony. My legs are still working, just about. Um, the last three days, two days, this is to do with rivers of living water. And um, for two days, I've had the picture of waterfalls, haven't I? Yes, um, it came to me this morning because I just went quiet while the praise was going on. And Jesus is asking us just to release all that we have inside, all that we think we're doing right or what we're doing wrong. With the uh, rivers of living water, can you imagine a waterfall with the tears of Jesus crying for you because you're still hanging on and not releasing those things that Jesus wants you to be free in. And I really felt, even through floods and rapids, which the world gives us sometimes, it gives us rough water, etc. Jesus is ahead of that waterfall so that you can trust totally in him. Your tears are seen and heard by Jesus himself. He is a wonderful counselor. Just let that living water flow over the waterfall Jesus can catch you at the bottom and release you from all your worldly worries. I'm crying this morning because those waterfalls are tears of joy for Jesus. I just leave you with that thought. Just rest in those waters that Jesus can give you. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. I don't know about you, but I was deeply moved in the worship this morning. I, I had tears in my eyes as we were singing about Jesus' blood running red. And um, So thank you, Penny and the band. I thought it was just a lovely sense of God moving among us this morning, which is precious. Anybody else want to share? There's, there's no pressure. It's just if there's something in your heart, then you have opportunity. Yeah, of course you can. I've just realized I don't have the radio mic, so while you're talking, I'll go and get it. Okay, my, my name's Julie. I've not been here before. Um, I went to Creation Fest last week, and it was amazing. So good. Um, I've always believed, but I like to feel that I like music and I like to, to feel Jesus in music. Um, and I found him again, or he found me. And, um, yeah, I put my hand up and that was it. I've had this, I've had real bad time lately. And I've had this big core of anxiety running through my body, which, which is, which never ever goes away. And 
put my hand up and it disappeared. And I've come and I've tried to find it because it's been so used to having it there and, and it's gone. <laughs> And I don't want it back. And, and I thought this morning, I thought, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. I, I really want to be there today. I really want to be there. I want to come see Liz and Tony. And I want to be there today and just say thank you for the best thing ever. And, and everything was running late. And I got here and I could hear the singing outside. And it was just amazing. And, and then I couldn't find a seat, and it was right at the front. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, I just get this overwhelming feeling that I just feel like I've, I just belong, and that's me. Can I pray for you? Lord, I thank you for Julie. Lord, I thank you that... This week she has reached out to you and found you. But I thank you that you've been looking for her. And really you have found her. And I thank you for this miracle. Thank you for taking away this anxiety. And Lord, I pray that you would fill her with your peace, with your love, and with your joy. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill her. Lord, I pray that she would know such a deep assurance that she belongs to you, that she is your precious daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. That was very brave. Thank you, Julie. So anybody else? Come on then, Kieran. Well, I'm not sure whether I'm meant to sh- uh, share this. Uh, it's, it's, it's more of a confession, really, but uh, I think that people can can probably learn from this. As a landscaper, uh, from the beginning, I've always been set with jobs. And I always see them as the same way, as 50, 100, 200, 300 challenges. And one by one, as I get through them, then the job gets completed. And I sign it off, get paid and go home. And um, I feel sometimes that my confession is that I'm, I've brought that probably into my relationship with God. Uh, that I see things around me and I see them in, in, in different challenges or something that I can get over. And uh, I, I'm not sure of the exact scripture, but it, it's, it's uh, where Jesus says to either Peter or John, uh, or Peter says to John, uh, to Jesus, he says... He says, what about John? Will he die? And he's looking back at the other disciple. And Jesus says, you don't worry about John. Follow me. And uh, I just wanted to share that because it was a massive revelation to me. Um, is that, hey, wait a minute. You know, this is all about me and you coming to me, sacrificing yourself to me. Stop looking into other people's lives or even your own uh, with fixing and trying to sort their problems out to get an end result. So I will be glorified in all of it. Uh, so just follow me 
and stop looking at others. Yeah, I hope that's helpful. Thank you, Kieran. Yeah, bless you. So anybody else? James is going to share something uh, not to do with Creation Fest in a few seconds, but if there's anybody... Would you like... Okay, if you'd like to come forward. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I don't know if I'll do this intact, but never mind. Um, I didn't come with anything. And... uh, Maybe that's good or bad. But while the service has been going on, and when Cindy brought her word, then, um, the word from the Lord, then different things started to stir. And what I felt stir in, in my heart was the Lord, he knows the way we were brought up. He knows our um, parenting, if you like. I don't know what yours was like. Mine was not clever at all. And... Um, I remember a program some time ago where they were talking to very successful business women. And they said, uh, what is the one regret in your life? And everyone commonly said, I wish I had a relationship with my father. I didn't <coughs> have a relationship with my father at all. Um, it was very one-sided. But um, I, I just felt within that the Lord was was saying to us, to me. Whatever your father was, I'm not that father. If he abused you, if he left you, if he ignored you, if he walked out on your life, if he was everything that you didn't want him to be, if he was a massive disappointment, Understand that I am not that father. I am the father who loves you. I'm the father who cares for you. I'm the father who takes you as you are. You're not perfect and you never will be this side of heaven. But understand I take you as you are. And I do want the very best for you. But I will do it in such a way that it will build you up and not destroy you. Thank you, Richard. Father, we thank you that you delight in us. Lord, we thank you that we are so valuable and so precious to you. We thank you that you gave all for us. Lord, I pray that we would more and more experience and know your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll come to you. (laughs) Susanna. Thank you. Um, I've got no idea what I'm going to say except that it's about forgiveness, and I wasn't, I didn't really want to say anything, but what the gentleman has just said completely confirms. Um, well, I sat here praying, God, show me if I need to say something. And um, I was thinking about, um, well, just that 
if there's anybody here that's holding on to unforgiveness, um, that I would urge you to to ask God to help you with that. And what the gentleman was just saying um, completely confirms it because I grew up with um, a very abusive father and um, I was just sat here, you know, wrestling with do I say something or not? And, and you know, this man got up and, and said that. And um, so throughout my life I've had to... Well, I made that decision to um, to give it to God from day one and 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 forgive my dad because um, I had two two options: I either live with um, bitterness and resentment and let it eat away at me and and ruin my life, or I make that decision to forgive and and basically give give God or give my father to God. And, and say, you know, um, you you deal with him, Lord. I give him to you. Um, and also, it's it's um, I'm trying to think of what it is. I'm trying to say here. I wasn't planning this. Um, it's not. <sighs> sorry. It's not my job to sort him out or to be his judge or to um yeah to figure that out um by forgiving him i'm not i'm not doing it for him that's what i'm trying to say when you forgive somebody you're not doing it for them you're doing it actually for yourself and it releases you it's it's got nothing to do with that person so if you're living with something in your life where you've been hurt or, or traumatized um, by forgiving that person it's not even about them it's literally it's just between you and God and it's about letting yourself heal so that's what I would that's what I feel God is saying today is is let yourself let yourself heal so so forgive yeah thank you Zana for those very powerful words. When we, when we don't forgive, it's like we're attached to that person and the poison flows to us. And when we have the courage to forgive, we, we cut that off. We stop that poison flowing. It's a very courageous thing to do. Thank you, Zana. James, if you'd like to come and just share and then uh, I'll bring God's word to us. Can you come any quicker? Um, yeah, I, I, the, I, I, uh, there was a really great moment that just happened in the back of the church that most of you won't have seen, which really confirms the, the word that God gave to me a while ago. Uh, what you won't have seen is that uh, two random young girls from the village who would normally have just carried on and either walked off or done whatever... Um, they came to the to the door of the church and sort of were giving it all of that peering in and seeing people walking. Every time somebody came, they would run off and hide, and then they'd come back. and um, And I just uh, I, I woke up feeling very hard hearted today, so I wasn't really you know in a in much of a getting involved mood. So I'd I'd actually just taken myself off to the back of church to get myself a drink um, and happened to see these two girls. So I went down and they were like, "What's what's this?" It's like it's 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 church, and they they looked very confused because it's not a leaky roof with very powerful 
painted windows and, and, and an organ. Um, so they, so, so they said, what are you doing? And I said, well, come up and have a look. So they entered by themselves and came up and had a look. And then I just got to have a chat with them about stuff that we do. The one girl really wanted to say, the other one didn't. And if, you know, if they both weren't, then, then the other one wasn't, which was quite sad. But, um, a while back, uh, God showed me a, a picture of, of this building, and he was removing, uh, he removed a veil from it. And he basically said that the building, it was, this was to do mainly in the context of youth work, but, but it, it goes into other areas as well. But he, he basically said that for so long he had hidden the church from view, deliberately so, because it wasn't ready. You, you know. And it takes a lot of faithfulness to, to persevere when God's deliberately hiding. You know, it takes a lot of faith to persevere, so well done. Uh, you persevered, but God, God said, now that now it's time, I have removed. The, so what was unseen can now be seen. What was hidden is now in full view. And that will make a difference. And then at the same time, he, he showed me the picture of that front door there. And he opened it. And he said, what was once blocked is now open. I've made the way. So before you were hidden and people weren't actually able to enter the building. That was that was by God and and, and where now he's removed that veil and he's opened the door. And actually them two girls coming and seeing the church and then entering through the door is just a real um honouring of that word. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you, James. Thank you. Sorry Amanda, I didn't see you. I had over my life the similar um, I had a prophetic word over my life um, about um, two years ago, and it was um, that somebody saw me with a lampshade on, <laughs> and that is a protection, isn't it? It's a, uh, shielding the light, because some lampshades are very dark, so you don't see the light bulb. And they said, when um, I went entered the room, they saw the light shade come off, um, so your light was bright and shining and I do believe that is for the church today that your light shades have come off and everyone who you mix with in your worlds will see you shining for Christ so go for it go for it could have the the powerpoint please thank you the the title for today is why god to wow god and uh, i've been drawn very much to the book of habakkuk uh, in preparation for today about 600 years before christ there was a guy called habakkuk he was a prophet so basically his job was to talk to god to listen to God and share with the people what God had said. And we find Habakkuk hacked off with God. I think that would be probably the best way of describing it. He's having a right good winch. He's complaining. And uh, so I'm not going to read all of the book. I haven't got time and I'm going to, um, you know, miss pieces out. But... He starts off by saying in Habakkuk 1, verse 2, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? 
In other words, God, why have you not answered my prayer? You ever been there? Basically, he was sick and tired of the violence and the injustice in his nation, and he wanted God to do something to sort it out. And he'd cried out to God, and nothing had changed. So Habakkuk was unhappy that the people in the nation were getting away with it, in doing wrong. Have you ever been there? Why are you allowing this God do something now? Sort out these evil people. God said to Habakkuk, be patient. I'm on it. That's the abbreviated version. God says, I, I'm going to put them on the naughty step where they will have time to think about what they have done. Where they can think and say sorry and turn from their evil ways. You see, God is slow to anger and abounding in love. We're much quicker to anger and a lot slower in love, usually. Well, compared with God, but miles short. You know, as a loving father to his people who'd gone off track, he was about to discipline them. Hebrews 12.5, God says this, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. God describes the naughty chair or the naughty step. And it is captivity in Babylon. God has warned his people to turn from their wrongdoing, their violence, their greed and their injustice. And he said, one. You had parents doing that? Two. (laughs) And he's about to say three. That's it. Naughty step. Habakkuk is not happy. God, you didn't do anything, and now you're going to do something I don't want you to do. God, you were silent, and now you're going to answer, and I don't like the answer. I really don't like what you're going to do. Your plan stinks. How can you use an evil people, the Babylonians, to discipline your own people? You know, God's ways are not our ways, and sometimes we really can't get heads around it. Reminded me of reading this book as a teenager called Johnny. When she was 17 years of age, in 30th of July, 1967, she dived into what she thought was a very deep pool of water. It was very shallow, and she broke her neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. And so that was her experience. She was in hospital. She was depressed. She was suicidal. She was asking people to put pills in her mouth because she couldn't physically put them in herself. So that's where she was at. That was Joan saying, why God? The first time I said, why God, in a very deep and significant way was after my 18-month-old niece 
was run over by a bus and killed. And it wasn't immediately after that, but it was sometime later, I realized that in my heart, I didn't trust God, and I was saying, why God? So what was God's response to Habakkuk, to Joni, Erickson, and to myself? Well, Habakkuk was a bit scared, really. And uh, he, he kind of said something, and, and well, I'll read it too. It's chapter 2, verse 1. He says, what's God going to say to my question? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb up to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says, how he will answer my complaint. It's almost like Habakkuk is just waiting for God to smack him or put him on the naughty step or whatever. He's just feeling like, I shouldn't really be saying this stuff, but I felt compelled and I've said it. Now what is God going to do? You know, God doesn't do any of that. (laughs) See, God is big enough to take our questions. Habakkuk had a right heart. His heart wasn't wrong. He had a right heart. He was just being honest with God. And God's response to Habakkuk is in chapter 2, verses 2 to 20. I haven't time to read it, but I'll just pick out some key uh, headings. Look at that man bloated by self-importance, full of himself, but soul empty. But the person in right standing before God, through loyal and steady believing, is fully alive, really alive. If it is slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come at the right time. This is a judgment of God on the Babylonians. Do you think you are getting rich by stealing? Sorry, who do you think you are getting rich by stealing and exhaustion? Who do you think you are recklessly grabbing and looting? Who do you think you are building a tower by murder and a city with crime? Who do you think you are inviting your neighbours to your drunken parties giving them too much to drink, roping them into your sexual orgies. And he goes on. And then he says this. But, oh, God is in his holy temple. Quiet, everyone. A holy silence. Listen. God will have the last word. The Babylonians will not get away with it. Their days are numbered. God will act. God is just. What was God's response to Joni Erickson? She sent, he sent a young guy called Steve, and Steve opened up his Bible And he he turned to Jesus Christ. And he told, this is Johnny writing, he told me in the life of Christ I could find the answers about God's will. Because she said, what's God's will in all this? But he went even more specifically, he showed me Christ on the cross. And he challenged me with a couple of hard-hitting questions himself, saying, Johnny, who do you think, sorry, whose will do you think the cross was? 
Well, I obediently remembered all those good Sunday school lessons. I had learned growing up and easily voiced the response, God's will, of course, it's God's will. Everybody knows that. But then Steve says, Johnny, think it through. Because you better believe that it was the devil who entered the heart of Judas Iscariot, who handed over Jesus for mere 30 pieces of silver. You've got to know it was Satan who instigated that mob on the streets to clamour for Christ's crucifixion for sure. Johnny, it had to be the devil who prodded the Roman soldiers to spit on Jesus, to slap him and mock him. Even the devil inspired Pontius Pilate to hand down mock justice in order to gain political popularity. How can any of these things be God's will? Treason, injustice, murder, torture. Well, I nodded and agreed. None of it seemed to be God's will. But what about all those Sunday school lessons I'd learned as a little girl? That the cross was God's plan and purpose for mankind. My friend Steve turned to a verse in the Bible which helped understand the question about God's will. He turned to Acts chapter 4 verse 28. And it says there that these men, that is Pontius Pilate, Judas Iscariot, the mob in the street, the cruel Roman soldiers, these men did what God's power and will had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, the cross was no mistake. I believe that there is a theology of suffering as well as a theology of healing. And it's extremely difficult to get your head around. And I don't proclaim to know the answers because I don't. And I don't fully understand that response to Johnny Erickson. God's response to me. God showed me through going away on a Christian holiday the character of God that he's loving, that he is just, that he is good, that he is full of grace, that he is holy, that he is eternal. I already knew those things, but I, the penny kind of dropped. And I really knew them. And I came to a point of praying this, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. You know, that was a turning point in my life. It was a turning point. See, I no longer needed to understand everything that was going on. I no longer needed to be able to rationalize everything. God no longer had to fit into my reasoning. I accepted that his ways are higher than my ways. That his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I surrendered to him. A couple of the songs that we've sung have talked about that surrendering to him. See, before and it was a bit like this. If you imagine a, a sphere, and in that sphere it's my, my kingdom, my world. And I'm at the centre of it. And God's in there with me because I was a Christian. So it wasn't that I was doing my own thing. Yeah, God was there and, and I loved God. And, but in essence, that was what was going on. And that day, I accepted that God's sphere is the right one. And he's at the centre of it. And I just get in there. And I don't understand everything. I don't need to understand everything. Because I'm not God. 
on he is God. Made a huge difference to my life. I became a lot more useful to God. (laughs) And I had a lot more peace and joy in my life. I moved from why God to wow God. Johnny moved from why God to wow God. She started painting with a mouth with a brush in it. Some beautiful paintings. She has become an international singer, author, and speaker. God has used her powerfully to impact many lives. Still in the wheelchair. Still paralysed from the neck down. I don't understand that. What about Habakkuk? Well, Habakkuk became a Matt Redman, or a Chris Tomlin, or Ben Cantalon. (laughs) He suddenly became this awesome songwriter. Because the song that he wrote, it's a prayer, but uh, it, it clearly in the Jewish scheme of things... Is, is a song, and this, this song was sung with upbeat music, it was passionate, it was powerful, it was strong. This was not a, a reflective song. This was a full-on, let's go for it, give it welly song. And, and so he writes this song. It is changed from why God to wow God, and we haven't time to look at the song, but I'm just going to tell you the, the headings of the song, and then I'm going to read the last bit. From verses, chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, he describes the majesty of God. And he looks at what God has done in the past. And he takes, for example, Mount Sinai. When Mount Sinai shook, when Moses was up there, and the fire came down, and the thunder, the lightning, and everybody was pretty terrified. <laughs> the majesty of God. And then in verses 5 to 12, he talks about the might of God. You know, that God delivered... Gideon, from an army that you couldn't number, with just 300 men. Now that's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? And how he delivered the nation of Israel, the Jews, from slavery in Egypt with ten plagues that were pretty mighty. So the might of God. Then he describes the mercy of God in verse 13. He talks about God delivering his people and saving them. Grace and mercy. We could speak all day, couldn't we, about the mercy of God. We don't deserve anything, but... Sorry, we deserve to be punished, but he withholds that. (laughs) That's mercy. Grace is given us what we don't deserve. So he, he was grace, full of grace and mercy towards his people. See, God didn't choose the people of Israel because they were special, but because he loved them. God hasn't chosen you because you are special. He's chosen you because he loves you. And in that, he makes you his masterpiece, and you are precious and special and valuable. But when he picked you out, you were you a sinner. You were messed up. I was messed up. And he might still be messed up today. And he wants to pour his mercy and his grace into your life. I'm going to just read the last bit of the song. 
He says, though the fig tree doesn't bud, and there are no grapes in the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Wow! (laughs) Wow! What happened to the complaining, grumpy old prophet? (laughs) He had seen the majesty, the might, the mercy and grace of God. And he was full of praise. He was full of praise. He didn't understand. But he trusted God anyway. And I want to encourage you this morning not to try and work it out. You could spend the rest of your life trying to work it out. And you will die never working it out. Isn't that a waste? Isn't that sad? God knows. God understands. God's on it. He's just slow to anger and abounding in love. His patience doesn't mean he's not on it. He's on it. Some of the people who have given testimony this morning have said the same thing in a different way. Let God be God. Stop trying to be God. I'm going to pray and ask God by his Holy Spirit to just touch us afresh. Lord, we thank you that you have made us with a brain and you don't want us to throw our brains away. You want us to ask you questions. You want us to be real and honest with you. But Lord, we accept that our brains are so small and so insufficient that we have not a hope of comprehending everything, of seeing all of history, of knowing how it all fits together, of knowing what you're doing in all of its detail. But God, we thank you that you've told us enough that we can enter into relationship with you. You've told us enough to know that we can trust you that you are worthy of our faith, that you will never let us down. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and give the gift of faith. Holy Spirit, pour out the gift of faith. Let faith arise. 
God, I pray that that gift of faith, that we'd exercise it, that we'd use it, that we would trust you, that we would surrender to you. Help us to surrender this morning. Help us to give it all to you. Help us to lay down those things that trouble us to release them to you.